What's going on, gang? We're gonna get into a bunch of shit that we didn't do when we first got into lifting, or when we were training trainers, or whatever it may be, and uh, why we should have done it. So, um, I mean, honestly, the the first one when when we like came up with this idea, the first thing that came up for me was sleep. Like, I was, you know, nineteen, twenty when I first got into lifting, and um, when I first seriously got into lifting, anyway, and. I mean, I was playing music at the time, so it was always like late shows and stuff like that. On top of that, I was working, you know, a shift where sometimes I'd be like, I was essentially doing shift work where I'd be, you know, closing shift and opening shift. Sometimes it was just the messiest schedule you could physically imagine. Um, just terrible. I was, I was never sleeping. And, you know, the, the implication from a lot of the fitness community is, more time at the gym equals more muscle mm-hmm. and you know you don't end up realizing that like muscle is not built to the gym muscle is broken down in the gym and at the end of the day it's your rest and recovery and diet that ends up allowing you to like build muscle and um i truthfully i have no idea how what it was that finally made that click for me but i do remember hitting that point where i was like okay i'm gonna take my sleep super seriously now and like We'll just see how it goes. And then it was like every time I was in the gym felt like my best workout for like months. I was like, oh my God, this is when like, you slept well. Yeah, yeah. Once I started once I started actually looking at my sleep and um I mean truthfully, like controlling my this is the biggest game changer, was controlling my sleep routine. Most people can tell you what they're gonna do, you know, nine months from now when they first wake up, because everyone's morning routine is the same, same exact thing. Yeah, every day. I can tell you what I'm going to be doing before bed nine months from now. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason that I am so good. It's funny to say this. I'm so good at sleeping. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm good at sleeping. So, uh, but it's because I've gotten that control where my body, you know, just recognizes it. It's kind of like a trigger for it now where it's like, Oh, Andrew's doing all these nightly routines. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was definitely a big one for me. When it came to like, even you, just playing around with your sleep schedule and whatnot, was there anything that you found that was intriguing in the sense that it would keep you out of deep sleep? I once heard someone say that uh, if you have insomnia, if you can't sleep, and you know, if we totally ignore the fact that I was like taking like 400 milligrams of caffeine like two hours before bed, um, somebody was saying that... uh, you know, if, if you have insomnia, if you can't sleep, uh, it's time to address what's keeping you up. Mm-hmm. So there would be nights where I would just, you know, sit there like <laughs> staring, staring off into space. Uh, and I remember like having that moment where it was, um, essentially me thinking finally, you know, and I wasn't just thinking about like, Oh God, I need to go to bed. Oh, I need to go to bed. Oh, I need to go to bed. Cause like once you quiet that part of your mind, like, yeah, no shit, I need to go to bed. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you quiet your mind and you kind of address, why you can't sleep you know your your body gives you a lot of answers uh if you're listening anyway but yeah so that was i kind of unintentionally um at one point had a meditation practice uh around sleeping and it was essentially just i would sit down right on the edge of my bed and i would just just 10 times like as deep and low of a belly breath as I could get um just 10 times and I would just yeah I mean even just that one like I felt myself just you know Mm -hmm. um hopping in bed after that and it was like I 
I always would sleep well when I did that. So it's kind of funny to think that that's my first like meditation practice. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah what a one one thing I actually was wondering about with you because we talked about this before was um, you being vegan at one point in time. <clears throat> um, and there was a point where you kind of started noticing that this, you know, might not necessarily be in the cards for you any, anymore. I, like, I assume there was a point where you felt really good being vegan. Is that correct? Or was that? Um, I, this is a hard topic to discuss. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Step on some toes here. Okay. But I was, yeah, I was a vegan for three and a half years straight and it was only in my last March, April, that I decided to switch back into like a pescatarian diet. Mm -hmm. I just, I will say almost the whole time that I was vegan, there was always like this sense of lethargy that I felt. Mm -hmm. I wasn't energized in the same way that I'd been with, you know, even just having a little bit of fish here and there. I felt like the animal proteins were something that tied so much to energy, you know, output and... And two, like on a vegan diet, every single thing that you're intaking is basically, it's like carbohydrate, you yeah. know? And so your body is adapting to this metabolic pathway where it's constantly getting relatively easy access to sugars, mm. you yeah. know, just to get it like quick fuel. And so around eating, you would get like a boost of energy, but that was never didn't really feel like it was something that was sustainable. Mm -hmm. You know, after like an hour, I'd be like, how am I having hunger cravings when I just ate that much food? So to me, it just like, it became really unrealistic with the goals that I had set. Mm -hmm. I had to add like a very specific amount of muscle in a short amount of time. And I was like, these calories, because of the main macros, you know, carbs, fats, proteins, alcohol, mm -hmm. um, carbs and proteins per gram are four calories. You know, so that's well with yeah. fats, they're nine. Yeah. And so... Not to mention carbs break down significantly faster. So even that in comparison to like protein, you know, protein significantly more satiating. Exactly. Um, and I mean, like, let's, let's call it what it is. Carbs are the one macro that your body can completely go without. Like yes. you need protein, mm -hmm. you need fat, period. Right. But you can, you can never have a carb for the rest of your life. And you know, will you feel your absolute best? No. Mm -hmm. Um, but would you die from it? No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, even like, I don't know, but I guess for, you know, the, the, cause there's one thing to clarify that is really, really important here is there are, you know, a lot of subsects of veganism. And I think that the two biggest ones are veganism for health and veganism for ethics. Mm. Um, and it sounds like yours was something, something of a health choice, but from my understanding, it was kind of influenced by, um, a partner at the time. It was, that, yeah. For yeah. me, it was like an ethical thing. Okay. All right. I didn't really realize was. that. Mm -hmm. So all the people, you know, let's just, let's just assume, you know, you, uh, that there's someone who's vegan watching this and, um, you've got a chance to just be, be blunt with them. They're feeling that, that signal. They're feeling, uh, these moments where they're like, you know, I feel like shit all the time, yada, yada. Um, but they still feel wrong eating, you know, eating animal, uh, animal meat. What would you, what would you say about that? 
I would honestly recommend at least supplementation, mm. you know, at least getting a good complex B vitamin, D mm. vitamins, um, or even implementing if it's not totally out there, like finding a local farm and getting eggs, you yeah. know, just having some sort of, you know, complete protein in your diet, that, mm. you know, kind of counter out some of those other macros. Yeah. One of the, one of the other things too, um, for anybody who insists on continuing to be vegan, um, supplementing creatine monohydrate has actually been shown to improve vegans IQs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard that too. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, dude. Um, but if, if I could really point, um, you know, a vegan to, to taking any supplement that, that is completely non-vegan, just like if they were, you know, trying to stick like 99% to it, I mean, a really, really good organ complex mm -hmm. would be awesome. Like right. you are getting, mm -hmm. that, that is arguably the most necessary part of, of an animal because, you know, you're getting all these vitamins and minerals. Purine. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Dude. Like purines are fucking huge and people don't ever, don't ever address that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like most meat eaters don't have Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because like, that's why, you know, like, Things like arthritis and whatnot. Those yep, are very purine. Yeah. One of the interesting things to me is something that we, we talked about in a past episode where, where it is mindfulness. And I, I feel like both of these things, because I mean, there's obviously tons and tons of stuff that we should have done uh, that we that we never did, you know? But if if I really took a moment and just paused and listened to my body and, you know, asked myself a few questions like, how do you feel not sleeping all the time? How do you feel, uh, you know, always being like hyped up on, on caffeine? How do you feel doing this, doing that, doing yada, yada, yada? Like I would have come to the answer so much quicker of, you know, I feel like shit from not sleeping. I feel like shit always, you know, double scooping my pre-workout and, you know, becomes like one of those, like just dumb shit with the boys things where it becomes like a game, like, Oh, huh, who can take the most fucking pre-workout? And it's like, <laughs> I, I could have taken 30 seconds and went, uh, man, this third scoop <laughs> getting kind of rough. Um, but even, you know, veganism or any, any dietary protocol, really, uh, having, that moment to really ask yourself, is this diet still serving me? I mean, I remember I was on keto for like two months and, um, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I felt amazing yeah. for the first six weeks mm -hmm. and I spent two weeks feeling like absolute shit. And if I had really asked myself at the time, like, why is this making me feel so much better? It was because I had SIBO at the time. I didn't even realize yeah. it, but I was like, I was like, oh, like my fucking bowel movements are better. I'm not gassy all the time. I'm not burping all the time. You know, all these different benefits from from like accidentally uh, addressing a bacterial overgrowth. And tr truthfully, it it is again just one of those times where having that mindfulness practice allows you to oftentimes address a problem and. Um, what's the, uh, I don't know if this is like mindfulness practice, yoga practice or what, but it's the one where you like scan through your body. Yoga Nidra. Yoga Nidra. So 
I remember, I remember doing that and using that as something uh, to address like postural imbalances. But is that something that you see as as something somebody could uh, implement for themselves when it comes to um, you know assessing their diet or assessing their sleep or assessing anything really? Or is there a, a different way that you kind of see that people can can go about that? Like, how how does mindfulness, I guess, play? play into all these misconceptions and, you know, beliefs that we hold about ourselves and our activities in your mind. Mm. How does mindfulness apply to that type of stuff? Just how does it, how does it play into it or, or, you know, does it have a place in, in addressing that kind of stuff? I think mindfulness, um, <clears throat> in a sense, is how you get to the root of all those things, mm. you know, if, you one was like super mindful and present you know you would have an awareness of how that stuff's reacting in your body or emotions or whatever that may be um and yoga nidra is a very effective way to develop and probably create presence in your body you know you could definitely see where tension or you know Yoga Nidra is like a form of body scanning where that form of meditation, the goal and ultimate purpose of all yoga mm-hmm. is actually to still the fluctuations of your mind. Um, so like asana practice, which people uh, yeah, attribute to being what yoga is, it's like such a small aspect of it. Can you, can you explain what asana is? Just so for- asana is like posture. Okay. So if you go to yoga class, that's the movements that you're doing. Long, lean muscle. Yeah. Warriors and all that yeah. stuff, which they definitely have a purpose. But with their origin, their purpose was to prepare the body for meditation. And so when um, teachings like Yoga Nidra came about, it typically was for people that had problems with their mind fluctuating or being all over the place you know people that are like i can't meditate like so wait the 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 origin i just want to make sure that i i understood that right the origin of asana was to like relax you and get you into a headspace where you could be mindful yes oh shit i didn't know that the only purpose is to prepare your body to meditate wow so Mm -hmm. the way that a lot of people use it is kind of like a bastardization of it almost it totally is holy and that's why like most even though I've you been hear a, that yoga moms y'all hear that <laughs> i've been a teacher for years and i'm an advanced study cert right now but it's a huge part of the reason why i would only either sub or offer community classes or mm-hmm. things of that nature because like doing the way they want to say it, like a these corporate gyms where they're like you have to be on your mat we gotta believe that <laughs> Uh, whoops. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> well, yeah. Just like doing the, it where it's just this like, it's, it's, it's this like, like you have to be program. Yes, absolutely. It's like you have to be in front of the class. You have to be doing the whole posture. You can't be looking around. I'm like, that really takes it out of what yoga is. It's like this mm-hmm. exploration of inner awareness and how to like develop that, grow that. And the supreme goal is to like connect you with your true self. So Self-realization, that's like the ultimate goal of yoga in a sense and to help the mind stop its fluctuation. So you say that a lot and I think that's an important thing to define. What do you mean when you say self-realization? Like if you were going to put that into you know layman's terms for, for the three people watching, what does self-realization mean? Mm. 
within even like, um, like I'd say mindfulness in a sense are, um, there are a lot of helpful tools and in a way mindfulness can kind of help create space from you and your problems. And a lot of those, let's be honest, tend to be mental Mm -hmm. in nature. And so like with mindfulness, and I speak this just from my own experience of like going to therapy routinely is that, um, a lot of mindfulness practices will kind of help you create space and less of like less self objectification with your thinking, you know, you have like these troubling thoughts that are kind of hard to cope with. A lot of time, the suffering that's bred from that is the relationship you have with your thought. Mm-hmm. You like have this thing that's like a hard thing to deal with. And you're like, oh, that thought entered me. That's me. You know, you start it's, identifying that, that this, this the thought is, a piece is of like you. a definition of yeah. who you are. Yeah. When realistically, a lot of like the thoughts that like occur are based off of like, sense awareness there's things that are like coming into you smells and you know things you're looking at that are creating this like fluctuating mind and so that's where i feel like mindfulness and yoga really kind of go hand in hand you know in something like yoga nidra like we're saying is for those people that have a really hard time like just grounding their mind it gives their mind one thing to focus on and Mm -hmm. it's guided and that typically you know, you're literally putting that person's awareness into their body and traveling through it. And it's like that awareness is what teaches them. It could teach them that there's tension or, you know, pain or whatnot. This might be a bit too rabbit holy for, for some of our people. Sure, we're going to drop down only two people listening. <laughs> um, but you, uh, you know, you've talked a lot about like thoughts coming in and stuff like that. And, um, I don't know if we agree on this part. So this could be, could be really interesting is, uh, do you believe in free will? Yes. I don't. You don't believe in free will. I don't believe in free will. You don't think you have the ability to choose? I'm not a hundred percent sure. And, um, I'll, I'll tell you why. So this is the one, the one single thing that still has me hung up on whether or not it exists. It's- No, no, no. (laughs) Just um, clear your mind right now and think of nothing. Tell me when you start thinking about something. Did it happen? It did. What did you think of? I thought of saying that I could probably be a while. (laughs) Okay. So why did you decide to think that? I felt like we'd be sitting here for like 45 minutes in silence. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. So why did you decide to think that? Hmm. And why did I decide to think that? To break the awkward silence. So why did you decide to think that? It keeps coming back Mm -hmm. where it's like at some point in time, you go far enough back into this, this thought was preceded by this, was preceded by this, was preceded by this. But at some point in time, something just came to you. You had no decision. So, I mean, I'm sitting here right now and I'm just like thinking of all the things that I shouldn't be thinking of because they're not relevant to anything. And at one point in time, a red fire truck popped into my head and I'm like, why did I think about a red fire truck? That has nothing to, the color red is not even in this room. Right. (laughs) So where does that thought come from? And being that, you know, with, with that, you know, you go into the presupposition that I didn't choose that thought. 
So do I choose any thoughts? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, and this is, this is something that, you know, might be, um, a little too long for this podcast. Um, and we can probably get into this more later on, but yeah, it's, that is, that is like the one question around free will that, that really plagues me. And man, this started out about like fitness, uh, misconceptions, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and now here we are, but it's like, that is the single thing that I come back to with, um, <clears throat> mindfulness and, uh, you know, free will and all these kinds of things is like, there are certain things in our life that we didn't choose. So does that negate the existence of free will? You know what I mean? And I suppose it's a bit more conceptual than it is something that you can lock down and, and hammer as like, this is an absolute, this is a fact. Um, because there are arguably people throughout history who claimed to have, you know, reached enlightenment and they, you know, are completely present. They don't have thoughts come in. You could argue that that is, you know, complete control over, you know, your, your own self will, but, um, man, still to this day, when I, when I meditate and, you know, even, even someone who's practiced as you, I'm sure there's still those moments where you're meditating and something just pops into your head and you have to, you know, and just kind of like breathe it away and let it come and let it go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. We could end up talking in circles about it, but do you, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Just like, where does that first thought come from? Mm-hmm. I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> I follow it so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, it's, I don't know. Uh, that might be, that might be something interesting to kind of dive into more at some point in time is seeing if there is anything, um, in like what you study that's actually addressed that because whenever I do try and dive into that, I always, I always hit that dead end. But yeah. Anyway, to the one person still listening. <laughs> Which is Glenn, he's the videographer. <laughs> yeah, straight up. <laughs> um, I, uh, I guess that's it. We got super off topic, but um, yeah, this... Uh, there we are, episode five or six or something like that. So, or four. Uh, or four. Or, I don't know, man. Episode something. Here we are. So um, until next time then, unless you got anything else. No. All right. We'll see you all later. Influence it like controls you. Well, that's kind of the, the question for it, um, is does that influence, does that thing that comes into my mind, that, that thought that I did not choose, does that have influence over me? Cause then it's, are there other thoughts that I did not choose that I acted upon? Mm-hmm. If I acted upon something that I did not choose, is it truly free will or am I acting on something unknowingly that I didn't choose unknowingly. So it's like how many of these yoga would answer that question. Hmm. Okay. It would. There's some readings that I'm delving into now that all are talking about what these different type of fluctuations are that we experience. I can't wait until we start getting into really weird esoteric shit. It's going to get deep in like three, two months. Dude, it's going to fucking get deep in like three more episodes. Like, (laughs) once this shit just, uh.